This is Dr. Marnie Peterson, and I'm the Antimicrobial Stewardship Outreach Coordinator for a newly launched project focused on antimicrobial stewardship by the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota. A component of this project are podcasts with global experts in the field of antimicrobial stewardship and antibiotic resistance. Today, August 9th, 2016, I'm speaking with Professor Dilip Nathwani about his leadership and involvement in the global implementation of antimicrobial stewardship programs using an open and online course format. Professor Nathwani is an honorary professor of infection at the University of Dundee, and he has been awarded the Order of the British Empire, OBE, for services related to the treatment of infectious diseases. He also serves as the chair of the Scottish National Stewardship Program, one of the few national stewardship programs in the world. He's the National Specialty Advisor for Infectious Diseases to the Scottish Government Health Department and is also the president of the British Society for Antimicrobial Chemotherapy, otherwise known as BSAC. Professor Nathwani has authored more than 225 peer-reviewed publications and contributed extensively to national and international infectious infection guidelines. Professor Nathwani, you have been involved in antimicrobial stewardship for many years, and you have recognized that the success of an antimicrobial stewardship program is really dependent upon education. The BSAC has developed a massive open online course on antimicrobial stewardship to deliver information globally to a wide range of people. Can you explain more about the goals of the course and how health professionals are using the online resources to make a difference? Thank you, Marnie. Uh, it's first my pleasure to be involved in this podcast. And may I also say that I really admire the great work that you guys in SIDRA uh, are undertaking. So well done. Low-cost, high-impact e-learning educational solutions that are engaging and relevant to clinical practice and that are free at the point of access are a highly desirable and effective means of delivering educational solutions, particularly when we have a scenario in which face-to-face -face teaching, albeit successful and engaging, is very resource-consuming and we have a decreasing number of healthcare staff who can deliver training and teaching across the healthcare systems in this world. The massive open online course, a MOOC, has allowed us to do many of the things that we desire. The goal of this course was to provide healthcare professionals, scientists, as well as policymakers, but for that matter also anybody who's interested in the concept of preserving antibiotics through the concept of so-called antimicrobial stewardship, and this includes interested members of the public, to provide them with an understanding of the core principles of what stewardship is all about. Although our course primarily had a focus around the use of antimicrobials or antibiotics in the hospital setting, I think you'll agree that many of the principles that the participant would learn about can be transferred to other healthcare settings. Indeed, it is our desire to develop future educational resource that will look at the totality of where 
antimicrobials are prescribed. Our course was unique in the sense that it focused on implementation, behavior change, as well as measuring the impact or the effectiveness of a range of stewardship interventions. It was unique also in the sense that it allowed sharing of information and learning from global success stories. They're realistic, real world, and engaging to healthcare professionals. The material was presented in a much more engaging format and allowed learners to interact with each other. And as you will be aware, that human beings are social and they like to learn from each other, and this allowed them that facility, as well as engaging with an international and global faculty. What is interesting is that after the launch of this program in September of 2015, we have now completed nearly three cycles of the six-week program uh, on antimicrobial stewardship. We've had an astonishing number of nearly 28,000 learners who have enrolled into these programs, representing 41 countries across the globe. And we plan to run the next cycle in September 2016. It is fascinating that of the 28,000 learners that have engaged so far, a large number were from the African continent, many from Egypt, Kenya, and Sudan. And when you reflect on the last country, a country that has immense geographical and political and financial challenges, clinicians and healthcare professionals are taking the time to engage in this important educational initiative. I expect, or we expect, that the numbers that will engage on the fourth cycle will be easily past the 30,000 mark. We have some interesting data that I wish to share with you in terms of the post-course evaluation survey that we run. I accept that the survey is limited because only a handful of respondents actually respond to the survey, but perhaps it gives us a flavor of some interesting data. These data revealed that around 70% of the participants were healthcare workers, which is one of the primary intended audience that we wish to engage with. And the 90% of these healthcare professionals found the course very engaging. Indeed, 78% said that they found the course to be the right length. Some people were worried that six weeks perhaps was too long, but there seemed to be some support for that. And 86% actually recommended this course to a colleague or a friend or somebody interested in this area. But what was also fascinating that 85% of those who were replying to this survey claimed that they actually did the work at home in terms of the material that the course has asked them to do. And 38% did some of this work during the time that they were actually at work and were supported by their organization to actually take part in this course. But what was also very fascinating, that of those healthcare workers, 51% implemented some kind of stewardship intervention in their workplace within six months of completing the course. To me, as a healthcare professional, very engaged in making change, I was very heartened by people who were learning from this course 
and then going out there into their healthcare systems to try to make a difference and a change. That was very, very heartening. Perhaps I can give you one example um, in which uh, a qualitative component of our survey that we, we asked people to give us some flavor of what they thought they got out of the course, perhaps a good or a bad thing. And a pragmatic example is illustrated by this comment, and if you don't mind, I will, I will read it out to you. Thank you for making this course, online course, so enjoyable. I was expecting a lot more theoretical material, but I enjoyed the real-world examples and the challenges that makes you, as a professional, reflect back on your own environment and your practices. I definitely suggest some of the ideas of easy-to-reach targets, the so-called low-hanging fruit, to our antimicrobial stewardship team and see whether it is worth implementing them to change our practice. And then we have other examples in which people really appreciate not only the global nature of the course, but the value of sharing real-life experiences in this setting. And I can, I can share another quote with you. Thank you very much for developing this very useful course, and especially for the evidence-based approach to this issue. I really appreciated it, and I hope I can make a difference through the AMS, Antimicrobial Stewardship Program, in the future. The course is both inspiring and motivational to see this issue covered throughout the world in resource-rich as well as resource-poor settings. And we are so grateful that it is so widely available. Many thanks to the course, its facilitators, and its designers. In summary, from our team's perspective, we are delighted with the course to date. It's clearly engaging the participants that we wish to engage with. It's providing educational support to many world settings where stewardship is nascent or non-existent, as well as settings that have significant clinical, geographical, fiscal, and resource challenges. We very much look forward to the next cycle of the course, and I'm also pleased to announce that we will have a non-facilitated course translated in Chinese as well as Spanish to address the significant language barriers to education, and we look forward to evaluating those as well. So perhaps, Mani, I've given you a flavor of what we have achieved so far with this, uh, with this course. Yes, you've, you've had a, a lot of success and a lot of global outreach with the course. I, I would just like to ask a follow-on question to, to the description. It, you, it appears that you set out to develop the course as being foundational and evidence-based, with this evidence-based approach. And obviously then being online provides flexibility. Can you speak a little bit about the development of the course and, and, and why you chose this evidence-based approach? Um, I, I think that the evidence-based approach is important for scientific credibility and validity. But what is also very clear that when you begin to examine the evidence base, uh, and there have been a number of, there's been a Cochrane review plus two or three other systematic reviews, is that the, the evidence base perhaps um, asks more questions than answers. 
which is often the case when you look at the evidence base. We're very mindful of the fact that much of the evidence is from resource-rich countries, primarily from other North America, European countries, and Australia. And we're using um, some of our interactions as a means of encouraging uh, scientists, uh, clinicians across different healthcare settings to actually publish and share their material because they will enrich the evidence base, which I hope will then further the strengthen the recommendations that we're making in terms of bringing about change. So in a follow-on to the global outreach then you've achieved with the online course is that you've further provided some outreach into other antimicrobial stewardship projects, including yes. India which is one of your new initiatives. Your group recently surveyed hospitals in India on the educational activity and needs in relation to education. And so the, my question is, what hospital and collaborators did you connect with and select for this survey? And what were your overall aims and key findings of the project? Um, thank you for that. I mean, you'll appreciate, and I think uh, our our audience will appreciate that India have made some significant advances in um, grappling with the challenges of antimicrobial resistance and stewardship. And one example of that was the Chennai Declaration and the follow-up implementation plan. And one of the key components of that implementation plan was how are stewardship programs uh, implemented and evaluated within Indian healthcare settings? And secondly, also, what is the educational support for professionals around stewardship. So we used an opportunity supported by the United Kingdom Foreign and Commonwealth Office with the BSAC and um, a, a, a bunch of uh, leaders and healthcare professionals comprising of Indian faculty to begin to understand the question around um, occurrence of stewardship activity as well as educational solutions within Indian hospitals. We had a qualitative as well as a quantitative component to the arm of, of the study. Um, our desire was to engage a range of hospitals from better funded private hospitals, teaching hospitals, as well as public hospitals, which tend to be uh, less well funded but provide uh, a burden of the healthcare provision. But within the timeline, timelines of the survey that we had, we primarily attracted uh, private hospital uh, infectious disease microbiology experts to participate in the survey, and we got a significantly less from the public sector, although we are doing some follow-up work to try to engage them more. Um, this, um, what I'm about to say, is unpublished findings as yet, but the aim of the survey I have already explained, and I think the findings were interesting. We got ultimately 51 final responses on an online survey from a range of infection specialists working in these private hospitals. The findings were fivefold, and I will just illustrate them to you. The results presented, although they came from a limited cross-section of healthcare facilities and individuals, they gave us a very early and a high-level snapshot of the reality 
of, of, of stewardship and education within these privately funded, better funded hospitals. Our findings demonstrated that there was inconsistent and fragmented provision of education and training in relation to antimicrobial prescribing, as well as the occurrence of stewardship activity. The findings also demonstrated very optimistically a very strong desire for more and better prescribing stewardship activity, but there was a common absence of infrastructure or a formal or mandatory framework to support and legislate for the provision of education and training. And a clear message in relation to came out that they would value this, but it needs to be a bottoms-up approach and an Indian approach as opposed to a top-down external approach. I think all the participants recognized the need to ascertain that the provision of the training needs to be across the healthcare sector, public, governmental, as well as public, and it needs to not only engage healthcare professionals, but, but administrators as well as non-clinical healthcare staff. And I think the, the, the participants who took part in the survey were, um, and, were very keen that there was a common competency framework to support the delivery of reg regulated training that can be delivered flexibly to meet the, the needs of a range of healthcare professionals and learners. And that would include not only face-to-face -face learning situations, but also e-learning situations. But they felt that this needs to be at an undergraduate level as well as a postgraduate level, and it needs to be immersed and embedded in the kind of continuing medical education that healthcare professionals are expected to participate in. And I'll, I'll, I'll share one um, very interesting quote from an uh, intensivist who was one of the clinicians that actually took part uh, in this Indian survey. He said, the best way to deliver training would be in terms of engaging clinicians with an interactive sessions that allows them to use information and data from their own patients. But the key thing is not to have just a video presentation or a PowerPoint running, but to have it engaging and interacting. And then he goes on to say, you need to have a few minutes of the PowerPoint to, or a video to make the key theoretical and information points, but then the feedback should be much more interactive and engaging and based at a clinical level. And perhaps that, to me, gave an insight of where we sometimes go wrong and we try to teach non-expert clinicians a lot around microbiology but not engage that microbiology and that prudent prescribing concepts to the patient that they are looking after. Again, a very nice way of, of, of really guiding us to, to, to where we should be uh, considering our educational solutions. Yes, and you mentioned something that is interesting in that the importance of, you know, the specific country of which the education is, you're partaking in the educational program, that yes. you need to have potentially educators and trainers within the country driving those initiatives. Yes. Yet you could still have a global vision 
um, but it appears that you need to have country-specific training. I, 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 I think that is such an important point, Mani, because, you know, we've all been at, 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 at conferences, at workshops and training sessions in which a particular geographical context is presented to a, a target audience that really has none of the uh, cultures, the infrastructure, the resources to be able to do many of those. And I think, you know, the, what the Indian survey clearly said to us, that they want um, Indian solutions um, developed by Indians for Indians delivered in the Indian healthcare setting, but applying many of the generic solutions that have been developed externally. And I think that's, in a sense, what we're agreeing. And you've, you know, besides India, you've also had other um, outreach to other countries. And I wanted to talk a little bit about a recently published manuscript that you were an author on in Lancet Infectious Diseases, published in June 2016. Yes. The manuscript described the implementation study of an antimicrobial stewardship led by pharmacists across 47 South African hospitals. So I'd like you to just talk a little bit about your collaboration with the South African um, pharmacists and other administrators and the key findings of that study. Thank you, Mania. This was an honor to be um, collaborate with the authors of this paper and the wide range of staff who took part uh, in this um, collaboration. Um, it was not only South African pharmacists, but um, also infection specialists and, and, and administrators who managed the 47 um, network net care hospitals, which are private hospitals across the South African healthcare system. And the study, in a sense, was unique because it was focused around implementation, and you don't see enough of these studies published in the, in the literature. And whilst we need to recognize that uh, the studies were under, undertaken in better resource uh, private healthcare facilities, and that may not necessarily be applicable to less well-funded public hospitals, the study to me underpinned the key role and value of pharmacists in supporting effective stewardship interventions, particularly where there is limited availability of infectious disease physicians who primarily are the drivers of stewardship with pharmacists in other healthcare settings. The other important aspect of the study was the use of improvement methodology through the concept of breakthrough collaboratives which are very familiar to those who are interested in using the healthcare improvement IHI methodology. And what they showed and what the intervention showed that the change in the effectiveness was sustainable and a dramatic 18.1% reduction in antibiotic consumption in a setting with limited resources and run primarily by the leadership and the hard work of the pharmacist. I thought that was truly outstanding. But the other component that was outstanding that really is a lesson for all of us is that the study focused on a few very basic stewardship interventions, the so-called low-hanging fruit that led to these massive, sustainable, significant benefits. 
For example, there was a huge reduction in patients receiving antibiotics for more than 14 days or the number of patients receiving more than four antibiotics. So what it is showing is that with relatively small amount of resource, using the range of healthcare resource and professional that you have available in the context of that particular challenge, such wonderful change is possible. And I think that is an example to us all uh, and particularly to those people who constantly will use the excuse of lack of resource for not bringing about or instigating change. So keeping it simple yeah. and having some key action or targeted um, focus areas to limit the or restrict the use of antibiotics or appropriate antibiotic use is really seems to have a, a lot of impact. Yes. Well, so building upon the success you had with the South African hospitals, you are now currently undertaking a follow-up survey in Africa to explore the role of nurses in stewardship as a key part of the study. Absolutely, and I, and I think that, you know, when, when I was involved in this study and, and working within my own area and, and listening to practice across the world, um, nurses are an important uh, part of the healthcare workforce, and also they are the key deliverers of, of infection control programs across the world, but particularly in Africa. And this really raises the question that if nurses are leaders and implementers of infection control programs, could their skill set and the respect and credibility that they have, particularly within the African setting, have potential value in delivering stewardship, and we believe that this is an underestimated and underused resource. Therefore, working with Professor Shaheen Mehta, uh, who will be uh, well recognized by many of the people listening to this podcast, uh, she is the, a microbiologist and a chair of the Infection Control Africa Network, and we are a BSAC are currently undertaking a pan-African online survey of stewardship activity, education, but particularly with the emphasis of the role of the nurse. And I'm very pleased to report that we've already had more than 160 responders to the questionnaire, and we're planning to have a target around three to 400 respondents. And we plan to present the preliminary findings of this survey at the sixth ICANN conference in Johannesburg in South Africa uh, in the middle of September this year, and they'll be presented at a session supported by ICANN with BSAC. And we feel that the data that this survey will produce will inform and initiate work toward building an African consensus around clinical stewardship delivery, education, with particular emphasis about the role of the nurse. And I'm particularly excited by that because I think this has a lot of uh, relevance to healthcare settings, particularly resource limited healthcare settings uh, across our world. So, really engaging all of healthcare professionals around the mission of appropriate antibiotic use and antimicrobial stewardship practices is critical to achieve the goals. I, I agree, and I, I think that um, we have to use the totality of the resource, and healthcare is delivered in teams, 
and we need to increase the skill set of these teams to deliver the stewardship agenda as well as the routine basic care that these teams will provide. Well, that's a perfect segue into my final uh, topics of discussion is antimicrobial stewardship as it pertains to a, a specific disease, infectious disease. And you, along with other colleagues from the British Society of Antimicrobial Chemotherapy and the European Wound Management Association, published a paper in wound care, just published in July, and it focused on wounds as they are the one of the most common reasons for prescribing antibiotics and are often prescribed empirically. So, and, and within that manuscript, you talked about the importance of the team in the treatment of these patients. Can you describe a little bit about the working group? And I, and I think that wound management, um, I, I don't want to use the term in a, in a negative way, but perhaps maybe seen as a Cinderella of the burden of wound infections and antibiotic use. Just imagine in the community as well as the hospital setting, the number of patients who have wounds and then the number of patients who have wounds that get infected, and these, majority of these, will get uh, antibiotics. But the problem with wound management is that there is good evidence and emerging evidence of gross misuse of antibiotics, primarily because wounds are difficult to recognize that the fact that they're infected. Many are simply colonized or inflamed, but without the evidence of infection. But in the current climate of wanting to do the right thing, antibiotics are often will be prescribed empirically. And interestingly, the process of recognizing that the wound may be infected and then diagnosing it and then treating it and then managing it through follow-up is truly a multidisciplinary field. field. And, and we felt that often the input of infection expertise was not there. So we think that when we have a wound management team, we need to educate and support them in understanding the need to recognize the value of prudent prescribing and ensuring that the available expertise is used in that decision-making process. This informed team approach with close and effective working with the clinicians who manage the wound is one of the key recommendations of our findings and critical to ensuring that antimicrobials are used prudently. You know, and one one point that the, that you that is stated in the manuscript is that the therapy should really be driven by the results of collected specimens for culture. And I'd like you to just describe the importance of rapid diagnostics and what you feel uh, how how new diagnostic techni technologies will be able to improve the use of targeted antimicrobial therapies? That's an interesting question and a very topical question. And you'll be aware, as an aside, that there is a, a, a global longitudinal prize that is a prize in the, in the region of uh, £10 million will be rewarded to the person who will develop a rapid diagnostic test that will improve antimicrobial resistance. And the, the litmus test for this test, it needs to be accurate, rapid, affordable, and easy to use in any part of the world. So there's a big prize out of there. And in a sense, it really illustrates the, 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 the great desire 
to improve diagnostics. And why do we need to improve diagnostics? Well, I think that uncertainty about whether the, the, the wound or any particular infected area is infected, not knowing the microbiology, and the delay or the inaccuracy of traditional cultures are often the drivers for empiric prescribing. That mustn't make us go away from not using current traditional laboratory facilities more effectively. We don't. But I think rapid diagnostics would potentially have a key role in reducing that diagnostic uncertainty. But I think you'll agree that there are many tests out there if they are not combined with good, effective stewardship, then this will not lead to significant improvement in prescribing. And we know many examples in which you have an expensive new test and you give the result back to the clinician. But if the clinician is not encouraged to act upon that test and then streamline and change that antibiotic prescription, then the value of the diagnostic test is blunted or limited. And I think that the recent initiatives in developing countries in evaluating rapid diagnostic as a means of supporting and improving the clinical decision process are to be welcomed, but they must be combined with clinical stewardship. And I still feel that many of the rapid diagnostics require further scientific scrutiny and, and validation before we can introduce them into very pressured healthcare systems. So you can have the best diagnostic tests out there that give you the answer, but, but what if the laboratory infrastructure and the, the human capital within that laboratory is inadequate or not fit for purpose, then the value of the test again would be negated. So I think that my key message here is that I believe rapid diagnostics would be one of the major changing uh, things that will happen that will help us prescribe antibiotics better, but we need to ensure that the systems and processes that will allow to use these tests are also fit for purpose. And based on that, and I agree with you, do you, are you including then some of this conversation around the use of diagnostics with antimicrobial stewardship practices within the open online course? Um, that's one of the uh, areas that we've, we've been less, um, I'll, I'll repeat that, that's one of the areas that we've been um, less focused on in, in our course. But interestingly, perhaps just to sort of finish off, um, one of the things we're doing is what next following the Massive Open Online course, because one of the, the key disadvantages of a Massive Online course, Mani, is that it requires um, continuing resource and investment of faculty's time and refreshing, because it's, a, it's an engaging course. And one of the, the new engaging ideas that we're about to embark upon is turning much of the material and the experience that we've gained in running the stewardship course is to produce an open access, free at the point of access, ebook, which uses a lot of the material, uh, the engaging material uh, that we have used. And within that, we're going to explore in much more detail the value of existing 
as well as new diagnostics, and we're going to open up stewardship in communities, in ICU, in long-term care facilities, and broaden the amount of scope of the of the stewardship training that we're going to uh, embark upon. So that's kind of an exciting way of our next steps uh, in this very exciting journey. Absolutely. Well, Pro- Professor Nathwani, I want to thank you so much for speaking with us today and describing your your global and very encompassing implementation uh, strategies around antimicrobial stewardship, both in the development of your massive online open online course, as well as in the surveys within the specific countries, and then bringing them together and engaging a team of healthcare professionals to provide antimicrobial stewardship. It's um, it's but you've accomplished a lot, and there's um, a, a lot of um, very interesting work that is coming out of these countries, and I'm we look forward to future publications. Um, thank you very much, Manny. It's, it's been my pleasure, and uh, thank you for the opportunity.